0: What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Venue RX podcast. On this show, we are passionate about documenting and sharing best practices around owning, operating, and managing world-class wedding venues. And you know, we talk to venue uh, venues and venue owners primarily, but we also uh, talk about a lot of topics that are really relevant for our industry overall. You know, we we talk about so many different things related to marketing, sales, operations. And today we have one of those episodes for you where we're going to be talking to Uh, Amanda Schumann. She's a brand strategist and designer and I'm really excited to welcome you to the show today. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I love talking to wedding pros and I think we talk a lot to uh, wedding planners and photographers and so uh, it's nice to uh, that there's somebody out there like specifically talking to venues and kind of the ones that are the the forgotten ones that are not really catered to in the the industry as much.
0: Totally, I'm curious because I, I entirely agree with you. But just right out of the gate, why do you think that is? I mean, the venue is where really the whole thing starts for a lot of couples. Why do you think it is kind of the forgotten? Like, why, why do you why did you make that statement? Because I think you're accurate, but I'm just curious. Like, why? Yeah. What's your take on it?
1: Yeah, that's a man. This is a great way to start things off. <laughs> I think that the reason why is because one, I give planners, they're like the popular girls back in high school, like everybody wants to be friends with the planners, uh, because they're the ones that, you know, the, the guests or the, the couples will look to them and they help make decisions. And, um, and I think that planners and photographers are really good at marketing and being a a part of like the branding and marketing side of things venues it's usually from what i've seen is that venue owners are more hands off so they'll have like the manager that's running it but they're not the one leading the show and they have to get permission and approval and so it just doesn't get as much attention um and then for you know the same with like dj's and even videographers they're not as much into like the branding and marketing um side of things it's more from what I've seen, like from a freelancer standpoint, where they don't really take themselves as seriously. Um, and they run more of like a freelancing company rather than being a CEO and being the leader of a company. Um, and so for those reasons, I think that's why they are the, the less for the, the forgotten ones as I have dubbed them just now. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think that there's really a room for lots of opportunity be, because of that fact.
0: Totally, totally. And we're going to get into that today, kind of brand strategy. I have a bunch of questions on that and and how venues, but really just wedding pros overall can can do a better job at designing their brand. And um, so we're going to get into that. But you before we get started, you also have a podcast. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, It's called Elevate to Impact. So we talk more about branding and marketing and how to elevate that in your business just overall so that way you can create a larger impact a legacy for your family and impact others through what it is that you do.
0: I love that. I love that overarching message. I'm wondering if you can kind of give me some specifics like why is it important for a company to elevate their brand? Like why? I guess maybe start with how important or like, what is, what is your brand? You know, um, you form a company, but how is that different from a brand? What is your brand? And then let's go into kind of like, why, why is it important to elevate?
1: yeah, so your brand, um I think that it's best said uh, is that your your brand is an overall experience that somebody has with you. Like what feelings do you uh, evoke whenever somebody you know comes and encounters your your brand? Uh, a lot of because we're creatives or visuals, a lot of people get hung up on you know, oh,, having a pretty logo and having a beautiful color palette. And that for sure is. Um, the illustration that I use is gears. So every single part of your, your brand is a, a gear. And whenever everything is well-oiled and working together, all the gears turn in tandem whenever you are marketing your business. Um, and so your, your logo and your color palette is just one gear of this whole entire thing. And your brand is made up of a lot of different gears. Um, and they all help drive the, the company forward.
0: I know this might be a little bit of like a chicken or the egg question, but do you think it's better, a better practice to start with a logo, start with brand colors, start with kind of some of those creative elements and then start to build the business? Or do you feel like it's maybe a better idea to start building the business and then decide, you know, your color palette or your logo or some of these, your font, right? Some of these things along the way.
1: Yeah, I always recommend to people to just get out there and start doing it. Start getting clients and, and making money and worry about the the brand and the website and everything afterwards. Get a $50 logo off from Etsy and a free template and call it a day because whenever you're first getting started, you don't know who you're going to be serving. You don't know if there's going to be a niche at all, what your niche is going to be. Uh, there's just so many unknowns that, you have to get out there and start finding your way before you really can define your your brand and who you want to attract
0: that that makes so much sense i i think that i i feel like mentally it can almost make an argument for both sides right like oh you want (laughs) to get out there and have this beautiful brand first so that as you start attracting clients they're able to interface but i i love i love what you said and i think it's a really uh, a really good place to start you know um, can you give me a little bit of a background on you and how you got into this industry? Why brand design? Why brand strategy? Um, what attracted you to this and how did you get to do what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 13 Going on 30. Uh, I wanted to be the next generation. I wanted to go to New York uh, and work in magazines and do magazine layout. And so that's what initially sparked this idea. And so I went to college for graphic design and marketing. And during college, we had a class and it was all about branding. Um, And so for the whole entire quarter, it was 12 weeks. We took a really bad brand from a company that was, you know, already existing. And we rebranded it within this class. And I fell in love with branding. I was like, this is what I want to (laughs) do. Um, and so that's where I like pivoted. I remember, so the college I went to, one of the last things that you do is, uh, they have a portfolio show. And so you put together like all of your work, there's booths set up and basically employers come around and they will try to recruit you to work for their company. Um, and I remember like pulling out my laptop and I was like working on what would, what would eventually be care, love design. So I was working on my website and like putting together. I like, I want to do branding. I wanted to get out there and do it. Uh, and so I was working on that at the portfolio show. Um, I ended up getting contracted to shell oil on their creative marketing team. Anything but creative. It's basically a monkey could do it. <laughs> their brand guidelines were so strict that it's like if this element is right here, it's to be this color, this size. Like it was ridiculously strict, which I get it. You're you're building a brand, but also not creative. Um, and so fast forward, I ended up uh, getting fired from my job. <laughs> fired from my job, um, and I told my husband, I was like, I don't want to go back to corporate America. Um, I want to try and do this full time. And him being realistic, he was like, okay, you got six months, or else, like, you know, we've we've got bills to pay. And I was like, cool. So six months, I put the pedal to the metal and have never looked back. And I don't know where. Like, I one of the most notable clients that we started working with um ended up being a wedding planner. And I just really enjoyed working with um wedding pros because they had beautiful photography. That's like one of the the best things is having to not source photography or stock photography. Um, and so I just really fell in love with the, the wedding industry and um, started putting down roots there.
0: That's, that's so cool. What a story. You know, it's interesting. You said you got fired and I think a lot of times, um, you know, I'm not sure about the circumstances for your situation, but I know when I, I've had like, an awkward number of jobs because I really enjoyed getting jobs but then usually I would get bored and so I would I would quit or I would find another job and I would reduce my shifts down it you know I, I did a lot of hospitality but I remember the one job that I did get fired from uh, was a, a serving job waiting tables actually at yard house and I didn't card someone correctly um, and it turns out they're using a fake ID etc cetera, etc cetera. they're pretty strict on that so I got let go And it was really right at that time that I had started picking up shifts at a catering company. And so getting fired was kind of like that catalyst, just like, and your husband kind of created that environment too of like, Hey, like you've got six months, like, you know? Um, and so that's very much what it was like for me. It was like, okay, I need to either go get a different job or I need to make this something that I can make money from, you know? And those pivotal moments, I think are so important. And if you're, someone's listening to this right now, and maybe they're you know, wherever you are in your career, and you're you got hit with something. Maybe it is you get, got fired, or you got let go, laid off, whatever. Usually, those times are the catalysts where something really cool and amazing is going to happen. And so, um, how do you? How did you process that at the time when you got fired? Were you like, "This is great," or <laughs> were you like, "The world is going to end"?
1: Oh man! Uh, yes, I tell my clients all the time that anybody who has quit their full time job. I- I'm like, that's amazing for you because I never would have had the guts to quit my job and to take this, uh, full time. And so it was the, the biggest blessing in disguise, but at the time, um, so I worked on an all male team. I was the only female on the team and they actually, it was a remote. So our HR office was in, um, a different city. And so it was about a three-hour drive. And so whenever I came in that morning, our HR manager was actually in the office, and that's never a good sign. Like there something's up. Yeah. So she pulled me in, and she was like, uh, "She's like, so uh, we're we're letting you go." And I remember, like, I knew that it was coming because I, I just knew that it was coming, but I remember not wanting to cry in front of the the teams because we were all in cubicles and like desks and stuff so I I like did not I was like cool signed my paperwork got my severance package packed up like as you see in the movies grabbed a box packed up my desk and walked out and did the walk of shame with like the box and I held my head up high as soon as I got to the car sobbing like what am i gonna do we had uh, like a year old baby at that point like what, what what are we gonna do called my husband told him what had happened and of course he gave me probably like the world's best pep talk um but i think that i had a, a great rebound because the next day I, that's whenever i was like all right Carrie love designs let's go
0: <laughs> that's so cool that's so cool how long did it take you to replace? The income that you were making, or kind of get back to kind of where you um, where you really wanted to be financially, and with the workload from that kind of like corporate, very structured job to you know wherever you're at now. What was that? What was that time frame like?
1: Yes. So this was we had moved into um, a tiny house on my parents' property like a couple of months before this happened because we wanted to pay off debt and get into a house. We were living in Austin. Um, and we were like, we're tired of paying rent. This is like dumb. We could pay for two houses if we were not in Austin. So we decided to pack things up and move into a tiny house. Uh, and so fortunately we weren't having like rent or anything. We had really low bills at the the time. And so it was, it was kind of serendipitous the way that it happened. Um, and so, within six months, I had replaced my corporate monthly, what I was making monthly within that six months. Um, cool. yeah, yeah. And um it was just a, a really big blessing in in disguise the way that everything fell together.
0: That's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think there is a lot of fear that goes into starting your own thing, and there's also a lot of excitement, you know, and depending on where you're at, um, you know, in your life, in the the money that you make or something like that, it's, you know, it sometimes takes that push and maybe part of the push is listening to podcasts like this and hearing your story. And, you know, that's something that really can kind of encourage and breathe life into someone's, uh, someone's entrepreneurial journey. So thank you for sharing that.
1: I think as, as long as you love what it is that you do and you have a real passion for it, like my husband wanted, he, he now runs his own food truck business And he went through a lot of different ideas. And I kept telling him, I'm like, if you don't really love whatever it is that you're doing, then you're going to get burnout and you're not going to, it's not going to last. So I think if you really love what it is that you're you're doing and you're really passionate about it, and if you have that drive, then you can make it work. I mean, there's, there's ways to, you know, to keep grinding. You just have to have that like inner fire that, that never goes out. If you're really passionate about what you do.
0: So true. So true. Well, let's shift gears. Let's talk about branding. Let's talk about some brand strategy stuff uh, for the wedding and events industry and really for venues specifically. We kind of talked in the beginning, you know, um, just about how maybe venues don't have as large of a presence from a social media perspective or something like that. I think there's huge opportunity there, like, like you mentioned. And so what are some things that, you know, maybe when you start working with clients, you're looking at right away that are kind of some of the Easy fixes that people can do right away just to start elevating their brand.
1: Yeah, I think the the quick fix that you can do on uh, from like a website standpoint that really doesn't change the design or anything, but especially from a venue standpoint, is optimizing it so that people can easily book appointments. They can book like those walkthroughs. Um, they can reach out to you if they have any questions. So like. Uh, adding in a chat bot to your website, like we use Drift. Uh, I'm sure there's some other good ones out there, but just so that you can really start having conversations with people know they come to your website, they can reach out and get information. But then also having like Calendly link in there where somebody can go in and schedule uh, venue walkthroughs. You have to put yourself in the shoes of couples whenever they are planning a wedding. They don't want to have to jump through three hoops just to come see a venue or just to get on a call with you, that if you can remove those roadblocks out of the way and get in front of people, get them to your venue, then it's going to be a lot easier to book them whenever they've had that, that one-on-one time with you. Um, and I think for a lot of just wedding pros in, in general, they like don't want to put in their, their email address or they don't want to make it easy to set up a call and you have to go back and forth. And it's just like, you add in Calendly, you can literally send them a link and they can pick a time that works best for them send so of six emails back and forth to find a a date and time.
0: So true. So true. And one thing I've seen also is a lot of uh, people will maybe even do the call button or do the schedule, you know, a a tour button if they have that, but then they won't have anywhere. It's not easy to, to contact and like put in a, you know, a contact form. I was actually looking at a website the other day and there were links everywhere to schedule an appointment but it was hard for me to find where I could actually like request their service. And Mm -hmm. I I was like, this is like, they're not, again, they're not making it easy. Before we dive deeper into uh, this, Amanda, I would love if you could go through almost like a checklist of sorts of things that you commonly see as errors that people have with, with branding. Maybe there's some things that you consistently see come up that they're just not doing well? Maybe it's some basic stuff, but maybe even a, more, a little more complex stuff as well that you're seeing.
1: The, the number one thing that comes to my mind is we see a lot of people where I can tell that they put hours of time and effort into their social media. And I go to their website and their website hasn't been touched in a decade. That's the, the the number one thing that comes to my mind because you as yourself, if you're making a purchasing de- decision and I've asked other people this, I'm like, I'm not alone in this. Whenever I'm going and searching out people, I go to their website and then social media, or I find them on social media. I go to their website and I like to see the same branding, the same level of like experience put into social media as the website. It, it lo- it not lowers, it raises the brand value, um, in my trust in the brand. Whenever I can see that across, it makes people look more like they're just starting out or like they don't care as much, or they don't take themselves as seriously whenever they just have the social media aspect and not the website. You don't see that. If you think of any like fortune 500 companies, of course they're, they're huge and they have whole bunches of teams of people, but you would be really confused if you went to their social media and their social media was like very active. And then you went to their website and it didn't look the the same. Um, and so I think that's one of the major things is making sure that you're just putting as much time and attention into to both and not just social media.
0: Do you find that small businesses, the small businesses that you deal with, maybe don't have as robust of a website, but they do have social media, whereas maybe corporate clients are the other way. They've got, you know, a robust website, very capable, but then the social media side is not as developed out.
1: I think that you have a you have a one-up on corporate companies and people who do um like quantity over quality. I want to make sure I said that correctly. Yeah. That you can have that humanized aspect and really like email every single person and be in DMs and talking to them because You don't have 500,000 people that you're serving as you would with a corporate company. And so I think if you can lean into that personalization and that customization, which we've seen time and time again with like the not, whenever they put out their studies, Zola, they just put out their 2023 uh, like insights guide. And they're saying people want personalization. They want customization. They don't want cookie cutter weddings. They want to feel like they're buying from a human and we have a great opportunity here to do all of those things, especially within the wedding industry.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's so true. It's such a personalized industry. Like now is the time. Like if ever in business, it was the time to get really personal. Now is definitely the time. So can you, so you said that there, the difference between social media and websites, lack of care. Are there other things with branding that you see commonly come up as errors um, things that maybe are just being overlooked or maybe just kind of somehow get left to, to the last last thing that a company looks at?
1: Um, Once again, from a website standpoint, from a lot of creatives, what we see is they put an emphasis on adding photos in the design side, but they lack copy and, and good copy and the words that connect. And even as, as a designer, My advice I tell people is if you don't have a budget to invest in a website design, if it was me, I would invest in a copywriter first and then go get a free template from Show It or wherever. Um, Because yes, the design and having pretty pictures are going to give people that initial like spark, but the copy is what's going to keep them around and keep them reading your website and wanting to work with you.
0: Can you tell me? You mentioned Show It. Can you tell me a little bit about what? what show it is and how someone can utilize it um, for, cause I'm sure there's probably people listening to this right now who, who are not familiar.
1: Yeah. Show it is a website platform. Um, so competitors of like Squarespace, Wix, WordPress, it's actually a WordPress website. Um, if you know anything about WordPress, then um, show it essentially becomes your theme and it has an external builder. So you're not having to build your website in WordPress. Um, it initially was built, for uh people with very visual arts. So like photographers, um, that was like their initial back in the day where they got started out was was for photographers. And so it's very like visually driven. But you also have ultimate customization. Like even within Squarespace where you have to put things inside of like a grid and lay things out in a grid, with show it, it's a drag and drop builder. Like you can drag and drop things anywhere. Um, and so if you are really into design, it's really great to design with.
0: It's probably pretty fun because it sounds like there's a lot of freedom within that. Whereas I know other templated drag and drop builders, they they try really hard to give you as much customization as possible, but there certainly are limits. You're kind of playing within the sandbox that they've given you.
1: Yeah, with with show it, it's really uh, the sky's the limit.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, cool. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Because um, yeah, I know Squarespace. I think most people have heard of like Wix you know, Weebly, some of those different ones, but, but uh, show it is, is cool. And I've only recently been aware of it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm curious, I want to dive into your brand strategy work a little bit more. If a client was to hire you, you know, what's that experience like? What do you, what do you do kind of beginning, middle and end? And what is, as I start with you, let's say I were to hire you and I start with you, where are you taking me?
1: Yeah. Uh, So we look at design and branding from a holistic standpoint. So going back to the gears that I was telling you about, we make sure that we are touching, fine tuning, oiling up all of those gears. And so we do that through a four phase process. The first phase we start with is your brand strategy and messaging. If you were to look at, at our process as a whole, we kind of ping pong back and forth between strategy and design. So phase one is your brand strategy and messaging. Um, We're looking at competitor analysis. We're looking at your values. We're looking at your ideal client, your brand personality, where you fit at in the marketplace. Um, So nothing design wise, it is all like the foundation to everything else moving forward. Um, And then inside of phase two, that's whenever we tackle the brand design and we tackle the brand design with our strategy in mind. So we can tell you, Hey, we suggest these colors because of X, Y, Z, we should go in this direction because of something that we found out in the strategy. And so it's not just, Oh, well, you really like the color pink. So we're going to use pink. Everything is really rooted in reasoning, like logic. Um, one of my favorite stories I like to tell people is because, uh, we get clients all the time. They're like, Hey, in The questionnaire, I don't want the color red to be used. And we had a client, she came, she's like, I red, no, we're not used, I don't want it. And so we came back to her and we're like, so we want to go with the color red. <laughs> and she is like, uh, she's like, Okay, I see your reason why. She's like, We'll we'll go with the red. Um, and so I came and I, I, actually, I spoke at her conference that she had last year. It's a uh, Brandy Gar. I don't know if anybody's yeah. but yeah. Okay. So Brandy Gar, I came and I spoke at her conference last year and, um, she got up on stage and she was like, so I have to tell everybody the story. And she told her, she's like, now I cannot see my brand without having the color red. It's one of my favorite colors to use now. Um, and so we do a lot of, you know, figuring out what it is that not only you like as a person, but what about the industry? What about the people that you're serving and kind of pairing that together?
0: Amanda, I have a question about that, though. Yeah. Can you share why, why red? Like in that example, you know, she said she didn't want to. So, you know, almost as a service provider, you're like, oh, okay, we'll stay away from red. But you very much, and I love that you do that. You kind of are going back to the values and going back to the, you know, what they're doing for their organiz- uh for the their community and their clients. But what? But what brought you back around to saying, hey, actually, we are going to go with red?
1: Yeah, it has to do with uh, color psychology and just. Brandy as a person, if if you see Brandy, she is a very like vivacious, you know, very out there person. And, um, I read really resonated with, her as as a person but also within like color psychology and you know it's very bold and she speaks to people who she has very um, opinionated ideas and it really resonated with like her audience as as well and and so that's how we got back around to the to the red. And so that's a hard line that we have to teeter on in our line of work is understanding and wanting to make the client happy but also knowing that they hired us as a professional and we want to lead them down the right path. And that's very similar to what wedding pros probably wrestle with as well.
0: I was going to say that probably has a lot of people nodding because it's so true. Like you're the professional and if you're doing a good job, you should be constantly educating yourself. You should be getting better and better at your job. And so then when your client comes along you know, you have this opportunity to educate them, to bring them along, you know, to help, to help them. And so, yes, you do want to ask those questions, but then at a certain point, you also are like, Hey, I'm in the driver's seat. You know, I'm going to deliver on the promise that I made you.
1: Yeah. And if you want to bring that to a, a brand strategy, uh, standpoint that actually comes back to building up your brand and the value you and positioning yourself as an expert that if people are hiring you because they price shopped and they don't really value the service and what you provide, then they're going to get steamrolled. But if they hire you because they really enjoy your work and that you've built up, you've educated them, you've built up yourself as an expert in their eyes, then you're going to have more of the authority standpoint to come back to them and be like, hey, I know that uplighting is going to cost you an additional thousand dollars, but the reason why you need it is because X, Y, Z. And if the client values your opinion, then they should be able to come and be like, okay, that makes sense. Let's go ahead and do it.
0: Mm -hmm. You made that example there, which I thought was brilliant, but like just off the top of your head, are there other things, other kind of trigger phrases that you can use uh, as you're talking to people to kind of start building some of that trust and some of that, that rapport with them that you do know what you're doing? Without saying, you know, oh, I'm I'm the best at this. You know, I've you know um, I've done this for years and years and years. You need to listen to me. You know what I mean? Like not being prideful or boasting, but like, how do you give them that assurance that like, yes, I've got you. I'm a professional.
1: Yeah, I think one one thing in like consultation calls is people are going to have questions, and answering those questions with not only the answer but the reason why, as Adults, <laughs> like we want to know the reason why we're doing stuff, and most of the time it's not the fact that oh they don't want to do this because of whatever the reason may be. It's because they don't understand why, and so if you can explain that to them um, and and help them kind of justify it in their head, then they're going to come around to it easier than if you're just telling somebody oh well you should do this be- because I say so. Yeah. Um, uh, helping them understand why.
0: Yeah. I love you that you made the uh, difference between adults and kids. Cause it sounds like you have kids. I, I have kids <laughs> yeah. as well. And sometimes you just got to be like, Hey, you're doing this. Cause I say it, but they are asking those questions nonetheless.
1: Yes. Yes. Now I have a, I have a two-year-old and a seven-year-old. So I totally get that. My daughter is definitely the why and mm-hmm. why and why and why I'm like, just do it. Like, Because I said so. I hate saying because I said so, but at this point, like no more whys. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do a couple whys and then you just got to just, just, just trust me on this. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So uh, keep going. We were talking about kind of the process of working together. You know, you're doing that consultation call and then you're really kind of starting to get foundational and formative elements of their business is going to help inform brand strategy.
1: Yeah. So brand strategy is the phase one. That's the foundation to everything else going forward. And, um, it's where us at CLD, like our special sauce really is because a lot of designers come in and they want to go straight to the design and they don't have the strategic element, um, and strategy to, to back up the design. It's like, Oh, well, we're going to create a really pretty website just for the fact of creating a really pretty website. But it's like, Well, how is the viewer going to go through the pages of the website? What kind of journey do you want to take them on? Where, why is this button here? Where is that button going to lead them? Like, how do they get from point A to point B? So there's a lot of difference between a hiring strategist versus designers and not every designer can be a strategist because it takes two different parts of your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, but then once you get to the brand strategy, that's where we start working on the brand design. So everything that people normally think of with like logos, color palettes, fonts, patterns, um, that's the second phase. The third phase is brand strategy, copywriting and design. So our team writes all the copy for, um, for our website designs. They are conversion copywriters. So whenever they're writing copy, they one, understand SEO, um, but also they write with a goal in mind. So taking a viewer from point A to point B, like what's the goal of your website? What do you want somebody to do? Um, and then we design custom websites using show it. So no templates at all, but everything, um, is built from, from scratch. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Where do you, where does a client end up? Like at the end of the day, you want to see a client with what is that?
1: Yeah. So the final phase of what we help people with is launching and marketing. Uh, so we help them launch the actual website, make sure it's live, everything's working correctly. Uh, but then we put together a custom marketing plan for them as well. So uh, that's dependent on the the client, where they're marketing at, what's working for them. Um, so that can look very different from to client. But at the end of the day, having a beautiful website and a beautiful brand is great and all, but I want to increase your ROI. Like I want you to be booking higher end clients, to be booking more clients, to be building up your team. Um, and so that's, to bring it full circle, that's where Elevate to Impact comes from is because we want to elevate your brand and your business, your website, your idle client. Like we want to elevate everything um, so that it impacts your paycheck. It impacts your company, your, your clients' um, a legacy.
0: That's so powerful. A lot of times, I think it's easy as small business owners to start with that. We're inspired, right? We've got this passion around the idea. And then as we go through the process and we're solving all the different problems, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that like that passion, that energy. And so when you go through something like brand design or brand strategy, it's kind of bringing it back to that and realizing, wow, we are trying to make an impact. Wow, we are You know we have these goals in mind we have these different things and um so showcasing that impact is really important very cool i have one last question that i want to ask you and i'm i'm fascinated to ask you because i think you're in the space and it's very relevant for what's happening right now um, in technology but what's your take on ai and how that's impacting design (laughs) copy i mean it really touches on a lot of the things that that you work in
1: yeah, design is not there yet. I, I went in there and I played around with the design and I just did like, I don't know, lady in red power suit or something. And she came back with eight fingers and her eyes were like drooping. It was it was not pretty. Um, so the design I'm not on board with, but <laughs> I, uh, I use the AI chat um, and some of the things I do, I think it's great to get the ball rolling um, for like, blog content, like coming up with the title or bullet points. AI is not there yet. I don't think like to write anything um, fully, but it's a really great place to get started uh, with ideas. And Iram, you can do Instagram captions with it. And you can say like, write an engaging Instagram caption in a friendly tone use a joke about rings and like it will write you a caption it's not always the the best like it still needs some finessing um but i'm i uh, really enjoy playing around really at this point with the the ai chat
0: it's it's almost to get over writer's block or to kind of get some of that creativity started because then when you have something you can kind of start molding it a little bit more yes Cool. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on, sharing a bit about your own entrepreneurial journey and uh, brand strategy, what you do for clients. If people are interested, if they're hearing this and they're like, gosh, you know, I, I need this or I, I've needed to do this uh, and they want to reach out to you, where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah. The first thing would definitely be hopping on our email list. Um, if you go to Designs.com slash insider. So I N S. I D E R. Wow. That took me a long time to figure out how to say that, uh, insider. uh, That's where I put a lot of my time. It's my favorite thing to, to do and, and connect with, um, other business owners is actually through the email marketing. Um, but also Instagram, I love a good voice memo and will answer any questions that you have. Uh, and so you can find me at Carrie love designs on Instagram as well.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show today. It was a pleasure. And, uh, thank you.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. If you are a return listener, could you do me a huge favor and consider rating and reviewing the show? We don't run ads. We're not really looking to do that, but we do want to grow the show. And so my ask to you is you take a moment or two and rate the show wherever you're listening to it, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, uh, even if you're on you know, YouTube, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me a DM though on Instagram so that I can thank you personally and I'd love to shout you out as well. I appreciate you more than you can imagine. All right, back to the show.